This episode was made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. For more information, please visit patreon.com slash author Chris Lester. I strive to make this podcast a safe and inclusive place for my listeners. If I've missed any content warnings, please let me know. Content warnings for this episode include strong language, mature themes, and negative cultural values, including internalized shame, kinkphobia, acephobia, and classism. The views of the characters do not reflect the views of the author. You're listening to The Raven and the Writing Desk, the weekly podcast about the writings of Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. This is episode 351. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Raven and the Writing Desk. I'm your host, Chris Lester. You can learn more about me and my work at chrislester.org and metamorecity.com. Each week, I bring you a piece of my fresh new fiction. I'll also share the latest on my life and my writing. So let's get started with this week's story. Today I'm bringing you Chapter 2 of Honor Reclaimed by L.C. Williams. If you're new to the show, go back to Episode 350 to hear this story from the beginning. I'm playing catch-up after missing a couple of weeks of audio production, so I'm going to skip the recap this week. Here is Chapter 2. Honor Reclaimed The House of Bellevue, Book 3, by L.C. Williams. Narrated by Vivian Ferrari. Chapter 2. Friendship. Honor swung through the library and grabbed a stack of books, more or less at random. She flipped open the top book to the middle and walked out to the carriage with her head down, pretending to read. Father met her at the door to the carriage and helped her inside. She muttered her thanks, then sat down across from him, focused on the pages like they contained the secrets of the universe. True, her vision had gone blurry and she could not even see the words, but that was irrelevant. In her peripheral vision, she caught Lord Bellevue studying her. "'Is everything all right?' he asked. "'Yes, fine, thank you.' Honor said, not looking up. Lord Bellevue did not press the matter. A moment later the carriage began to move, and he turned to look out the window. They rode in silence for ten minutes, until they reached the nearest train station. Honor walked behind her father, her nose still in the book, and ignored the crowds that surrounded them on the platform. Neither she nor Lord Bellevue had to deal with their luggage. While they were waiting for the train to arrive, the House Bellevue footman unloaded the carriage and handed everything off to the station attendants, who loaded it onto carts for transport. Honor wondered if any of them would be ruffling through her things during the trip, looking for incriminating evidence. The thought would have seemed ludicrous a few hours ago, but now she dismissed nothing out of hand. The first-class passenger cars were simple but elegant inside, with varnished hardwood seats, polished brass fittings, and velvet cushions. Sheer curtains covered the windows, shielding them from the crowds outside. 
Lord Bellevue took one of the seats nearest to the door, but Honor went to the back corner of the car and claimed a spot near the window. She leaned her head against the curtain, continued the pretense of reading, and shut out the world around her, fervently wishing she could become invisible. She wanted to cry. Loud, unseemly, ugly crying. The sort of crying she had only ever done as a child. It seemed the only appropriate response to a broken heart. But if she indulged herself in that way, here, she would make a fool of herself in public. She would disgrace her house. Worse, her father would insist that she tell him what was wrong, and then she would have to tell him what she had learned about Natasha. If there was anything more humiliating than her own father hiring a courtesan to pretend to love her, it was admitting that Honor had been foolish enough to fall in love with her in return. Surely such a confession would be grounds for him to take back his support for the succession bill. A foolish, heart-sick little girl had no business being the scion of anything. So stop being that girl, she told herself, gritting her teeth. You are the Lady Honor of House Bellevue. It is time to act like it. But it was one thing to tell herself this, and another thing to do it. And every time she closed her eyes, she saw Natasha's face, lined with tears. A dozen other nobles boarded the train over the next quarter of an hour. All of them took seats well away from Honor, apparently reading her body language well enough to give her space. Eventually, the train whistle sounded, alerting the passengers to its imminent departure. Honor dimly registered the sound of a woman's voice at the door to the car, thanking someone for something. There was a brisk clack-click-clack of shoes against the floor of the train car, and then a rustle of fabric next to her. "'There you are, Honor, dear,' Lady Delphinia said, in a voice like sunshine and golden syrup. "'Oh, it's so lovely to see you again.' Honor desperately wanted her to go away. Hells, if she could have banished the woman to the dreamlands with a thought, she would have been sorely tempted. Failing that, she would have been satisfied to ignore her. But an untitled lady could not ignore a house scion. It was not done. So she took a slow, deep breath, then said, Hello, Delphinia. The blonde girl reached over and covered Honor's hand with one of her own, she leaned in closer to her, close enough that her perfume flooded Honor's nostrils. We're to be roommates for this retreat, you know, she burbled. Isn't that wonderful? I can only imagine all of the fun we shall have. Yes, quite, Honor said stiffly, still not looking at her. Good heavens, what has gotten into her? The train whistle sounded twice more. The engine chugged, and the car lurched into motion. Delphinia kept up her monologue of sparkling pleasantries for another ten minutes, while Honor made polite noises and watched the shadows of trees passing by the curtains. Delphinia fell silent at last, and Honor mouthed a prayer of thanks to whatever gods might be listening. Perhaps a minute later she spoke again, but this time her voice was low, controlled, and even. We can speak freely. No one is paying attention to us now, Delphinia said. I must say you were giving me nothing to work with. Wipe those tears away. You look a mess. 
she passed Honor a handkerchief. Honor hadn't even realized she had been crying. She accepted the offered handkerchief and dabbed discreetly at her eyes and cheeks. Thank you, she murmured. After a moment, she asked, Who was paying attention to us before? Delphinia nodded toward the front of the car. Honor followed her gaze over the heads of the other passengers and saw the backs of her father's head and cousin Graham's held close together in a quiet but animated discussion. There was no sign of cousin Tyrrell. Evidently, he would not be traveling with them. Lord Bellevue seems desperately concerned with how you are getting on with ladies your own age, Delphinia noted dryly. I'm reminded of a puppy we had once, who was too timid to play with her littermates. We went to such lengths to make sure she was properly socialized. Honor glared sidelong at her. Perhaps she simply preferred a quiet nap and a good book to getting her ears bitten and her tail pulled. Delphinia laughed, a musical sound like tinkling bells, but Honor could hear a note of dissonance running through it. <laughs> Spare me, she said, and now her voice was barely above a whisper. I know a broken heart when I see one. Did you and noble Alex have a fight? Or did you finally realize they were defective? Honor felt a surge of indignant anger on Alex's behalf. She turned and looked Delphinia straight in her impossibly elegant face and hissed. There is nothing defective about noble Alex. They are generous and sweet and kind and a true and loyal friend. And if you could not see that, then the defect lies with you. Delphinia did not seem troubled by this outburst. Her lips curled in a tight smile, and her pale blue eyes narrowed in calculation. Not Alex, then, she mused. How interesting. She gazed at Honor in silence for a long moment, with an intensity that reminded her uncomfortably of Countess Harcourt. You haven't been seen courting anyone else. Who broke your heart, little puppy? Honor fidgeted and looked away. Shouldn't we be spending this time preparing for our mission? It's a two-hour ride to Malin Station, Delphinia noted. And, as I said, we are sharing a room this weekend. I think there is time enough for us to become better acquainted. Honor briefly imagined her fingers becoming better acquainted with Delphinia's long and slender throat. She balled her fists and clenched her jaw. You didn't want to be my friend before, she said, the words coming out sharp and bitter. I offered you my friendship, and you threw it back in my face. Why do you care now? Oh, I don't, Delphinia said, without heat. But Grandmother believes you can be useful to the cause, and I know better than to doubt her judgment. However, since you are quite clearly emotionally bereft, I think it likely your utility has been compromised. If I can amend that by serving as a sounding board or a listening ear, then it costs me little enough to do it. Honor looked up at her then, staring hard at her impassively lovely face. She searched in vain for any hint of mockery in Delphinia's eyes, but saw only calm, almost clinical interest, like an anatomist dissecting a cadaver. 
I don't believe this, she murmured, wide-eyed. You insult me repeatedly. Cast aspersions on noble Alex. Claw your way into my personal affairs. And now you honestly believe that I am going to... to bear my soul to you? To you? It would make you feel better, Delphinia said, matter-of-factly. Honor scoffed and shook her head. You are a psychopath. Am I? Delphinia's face registered surprise, but not anger. After a moment, her expression turned thoughtful. It is possible, I suppose. Another moment, and she waved it away. Oh, well, a question for another time. We were discussing you, Lady Honor, not me. Wearily, Honor turned and lay her head against the window again. Go away, Delphinia. As you wish, Delphinia said, still unruffled as ever. Honor heard her get up and walk. Click-clack, click-clack, back toward the other end of the train car. Honor closed her eyes and tried to sleep. What do you think, dearie? Natasha tightened the belt of her dress uniform, adjusted her cap on her head, and stood up straight. She looked at her reflection in the mirror. Her boots polished, the uniform freshly pressed, her hair neatly braided, her makeup subtle, but more elegant than anything she'd ever managed on her own. She could still feel that her eyes were puffy from crying, but she couldn't see any sign of it. This is very good, she said, and meant it. Thank you, Mabel. The little maid took her hand, squeezed it. Of course, love. Any time you need something like this, you've only to ask. Natasha let out a bitter laugh. Not for much longer, I think. Lady Honor says I should look for other work. Mabel made a disapproving noise. Hmm, silly child. As if we all can't tell how much happier she is since she came here. The she was happy, Natasha said, sinking wearily onto the foot of her bed. Then she learned I was keeping secret from her. Hmm, Mabel said noncommittally. She sat down beside Natasha with a soft grunt. Hmm, that's a sore point with that one. Suppose it's to do with growing up around too many secrets. About a mother, most of all. Natasha eyed her curiously. What is secret about her mother? I thought everyone knew she was fucking other men. Mabel barked a laugh. <laughs> Aye, that's how they tell it. And notice they never tell you who it was, eh? Natasha frowned. Does it matter? Cool, Mabel said, in a manner that made Natasha think it must be an oath of some kind. Course it matters, miss, cause it weren't no man mistress fell in love with. It was a woman. Natasha felt her eyes go wide. That would certainly explain some of what Lord Bellevue had told her back on the night he had hired her. She tried to be something she was not. It nearly broke her. What happened? she asked. Well... Mabel turned to face her and folded her hands in her lap, visibly settling in. 
Natasha suspected she had been carrying this story for a long time. Lady Sylvia was very young when she got married to Lord Bellevue. Not much older than Lady Honor is now, in fact. Her father had arranged the match, and my lord was kind enough, so she didn't put up no fuss about it, even though he was more than twice her age. But she didn't know who she was or what she wanted. I'm sure you know how it is, at that age. Natasha shrugged. At that age, all I knew was that I wanted to get away from father. He was not a good man. Her father's words echoed again in her memory, harsh and cruel. You will have no one. No one will even care enough to bury you. Angrily, she pushed that voice aside, but she could not answer with her usual refrain. Not today. After today, she might have nothing and no one once again. She tried not to think about it. Mabel made a regretful sound. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Mistress wanted to be free of her family as well, but she just changed one cage for another. She weren't happy, and she didn't know why, not even when little Anna was born. Natasha nodded. Sylvia did not know she liked girls. Mabel chuckled. Oh, she had some notion, I think. She had plenty of sleepovers with her young lady friends back before she got married. I caught him kissing a few times. Tried not to notice more than that. She sighed. Hmm. It ain't uncommon for girls to experiment, you see. But then they get married and they settle down, most of them. They do what's expected. And mostly they seem happy enough. But not mistress. She was married to Lord Bellevue four years. But she never did get settled. What changed? Natasha asked. Why did she decide to leave? Honestly? Mabel leaned in closer, dropping her voice to a conspiratorial whisper. I think it were the necklace that did it. Natasha frowned again. She wasn't sure she'd heard Mabel correctly. Necklace? You mean the butterfly? Mabel gave a firm nod. It was a gift, you know. A birthday present from noble Yasmin. They've been friends for years, those two, ever since Yasmin came to Metamor and got the curse. I don't know where Yasmin got it from, but they always said it helped them find their true self. They knew Milady weren't happy, and they thought it would help her know why. Natasha was suddenly very aware of the amulet's presence, a gentle weight in the pocket of her trousers. She slipped a hand inside her pocket, brushed her fingers over the surface of its little wooden case. Then it is magic, she whispered. Mabel blew air between pursed lips. I don't know that, she said. Might be it's magic. Might be it's blessed. The butterfly's a holy animal to Lady Velena, after all. Or might be it just reminded mistress of what Yasmin had done to be happy. Traveling hundreds of miles and taking a magic curse, just so as they could have a body what felt right to them. She shrugged, spreading her hands. Whatever it was, mistress found her courage when she put it on. She said she weren't going to be half of herself, no more. So 
she went to Lord Bellevue and said she wanted an arrangement like Yasmin had with Aralai. Natasha raised her eyebrows. She wanted to stay married but take other lovers? She remembered something else Lord Bellevue had told her. I didn't let myself see what she needed until it was too late. I am guessing her husband did not like this. Mabel let out another sharp laugh. <laughs> First time I ever heard my lord yell. He said they were androgynes and they weren't going to act like him. Said they'd never live down the shame of it. I wasn't supposed to hear none of that, but the walls of Bellevue Manor ain't that thick. She sighed again. After that, it was just a matter of time. Milady went to Torn on holiday with Yasmin, and that's where she met Captain Marisol Garcia Vasquez, an airship captain, if you can believe it, and one of the loveliest women you'd ever seen. One of the bravest, too. Milady fell hard for her. They met in secret for another year, whenever Marisol came to the city. Then, one day... She asked Lady Sylvia to fly away with her, and she did. Wrote back to my lord that she wanted a divorce, and he agreed. Once the courts approved it, she and the captain got married. Natasha thought about Honor's book, A Life in the Clouds, and all the adventures the captain had had sailing across the world. She imagined the two women standing at the tiller together, flying off into the sunset. It was undoubtedly a romantic image, but one that clearly had come at a high cost. It could not be easy to leave her daughter behind. Mabel winced. It tore her up inside, she admitted. But I knew she had to go while she had the chance. So I told her I would stay and look after Lady Honor in her place. A wistful smile settled on her face. We both cried so much that day. Then she gave me that necklace and told me to give it to Honor when she came of age, so she'd always have the courage to be herself. Natasha's fingers closed around the box as fresh tears welled up in her eyes. I wish Honor had kept it on, she murmured, but she was afraid of how it made her feel. She was afraid to be that person. I know, dearie. Mabel reached over and took her free hand, wrapping weathered fingers around her palm. Be patient with her. It takes such courage to be yourself when the whole world is telling you to be something else. But Lady Sylvia found that courage. I believe Lady Honor will too. Natasha looked up into Mabel's age-lined face, her eyes going wide as she realized what Mabel was saying. You knew, she asked. About us? About what what we were doing? Mabel's round face crinkled up in a smile, her green eyes sparkling. Of course, dearie. Just because we act like we don't see her here nothing don't mean we're blind and deaf. She reached up and patted Natasha's cheek. You're a good woman, Miss Natasha. You treat Miss Anna right. And you make her happy. And you seem to get along with young Alex as well. She gave Natasha a knowing wink. You'll be all right, all of you. Just have a little faith.
Natasha took a deep, ragged breath, in and out again. I hope you are right. A knock sounded at her door. Come, she said. The door opened, and Alex stood there. They had made use of the washroom and borrowed the services of one of House Bellevue's footmen, and they now looked resplendent in their own dress uniform. However, there was no hiding the look of deep concern in their eyes. Are you all right, Natasha? Their gaze flickered over to Mabel, becoming a touch more wary. You left in some haste after Lady Honor's departure? Natasha waved them inside. She no longer had any patience for the nobility in the way they talked in circles. Mabel knows Alex. She knows about me, and Lady Honor, and you, and this. She pulled out the wooden case with the butterfly amulet and opened it for Alex to see. You know what this is? Alex's eyes had gone wide, but surprise quickly gave way to relief, and then to confusion as they saw the amulet. I... Lady Honor wore that to the debutante's ball, they said carefully. I remember thinking it was very striking. That, Natasha said. She got it from her mother, Lady Sylvia, who got it from your mother. Did you know they were friends? Alex's eyebrows lifted. Mama mentioned it to me, yes, after Honor and I began courting. They bent over the butterfly, ran a finger over the central cabochon stone. They never mentioned this, though. Natasha closed the box again and gestured with it, a sharp stabbing motion. There is something very strange about this amulet. I would like to speak to noble Yasmin about it before Honor comes home. Alex nodded soberly. I shall pass on the word. I am sure something can be arranged. They took another step closer, put a hand on her shoulder. Are you still able to come with me tonight? They asked in a gentle tone. If you need time alone, I understand. Natasha smiled sourly. Thank you. But I have been alone at times like this before, and it does not end well. She reached up and took Alex's hand, gripping it firmly. I think, maybe this time, I try being with friend. Alex seemed genuinely moved to be called a friend. Natasha thought she saw their eyes tear up a little. They nodded again, one sharp, decisive motion. And so you shall, they promised. And that's the end of Chapter 2. Come back next time as Honor and Delphinia continue their journey to the House Drowling Retreat. Chapters of the House of Bellevue will be released at a rate of one chapter per week for 51 weeks. If you'd like to listen to it faster, all three books are available now on Amazon and Audible. To learn more about these characters and their world, please visit www. AuthorLCWilliams.com. Hello everyone, Chris here. As I said in the intro, I'm playing catch-up on my production buffer, so no writing update this week. See you next time. If you'd like to share your thoughts about the show, 
Send your feedback in text or audio to metamorecityfeedback at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, dial area code 641-715-3900, then enter extension 255082, followed by the pound sign. My Facebook is facebook.com slash author Chris Lester. The fan group is fans of Metamore City on Facebook. And our Discord server is Metamore City. I'm there pretty often, so come say hi. If you like this show, please consider leaving a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser.com. It really helps people find the show. That's all for this week. I'll be back next time with more fresh new fiction. Until then, keep it on the bright side. This is Chris Lester, signing out. The contents of this podcast are copyright 2022 by Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. The show is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives license. So don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. For more information about this license, please visit creativecommons.org.